juice, but whatever. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Inland Valley uh, Arts and Literature Show. My name is John Branningham. I'm a poet, and we have uh, five poets today from the Inland Valley to talk about Inland Valley art. I'm Kate Henry, living in Claremont. And I am Tim Hatch. I uh, am a poet, and I teach at all the schools. <laughs> I'm Ken Johnson, a uh, writer in Levin Upland. I'm George Hammonds, poet and photographer, and I'm from Pomona. And let, let's let's uh, let's let's do a little bit of publicity. Uh, uh, Ken, you just had a, a novel come out or a memoir come out, Chaos and Ash. Yes, I did. Thank you very much for plugging it. Yeah. Uh, came out published by Pelicanesis. And I'm just delighted to have it out and enjoying enjoying talking with people about it. It's pretty exciting. And Tim, you got uh, you got your ongoing book series this year. With I'm uh, actually, yeah, I'm working on my third volume. Uh, while I juggle uh, dealing with being in uh, quarantine and all the rest of the stuff, I am very slowly making progress on volume three of my bariatric year, which is about the uh, surreal experiences of weight loss surgery and re the recovery from it and kind of like relearning how to live, do all the things as a half the size I used to be. Oh. Uh, and George, it's not exactly new, but as long as we're plugging things, uh, you've got Hungry to Bed. Oh, I have one newer than that. I have Hungry to Bed, which is available on Amazon, but I also have Witness, which is um, out as of February, and um, it's published by Picture Show Press, oh. and it's available on Amazon. And it's really, um, I went back and read over it. It is so pertinent to these days. It's a, the other <laughs> it, was, it, was, you know, it was amazing when I went back because we haven't been able to publicize anything. So oh, wow. um, you know, it's just really um, very um, poignant in terms of uh, um, social justice and a lot of the uh, protests that are going on right now. I uh, that's great, uh, and uh, I, I've got this idea that all these books from all my friends that have come out in the last year, when nobody could really publicize, we're gonna have a big party once COVID is, is over, and we're, everybody who has a book comes over, and we just kind of do a great salon reading thing. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, that would be great. And Kate, you you've have some stuff coming out through Sassy Museum, don't you? Right. I've been doing some uh, writing for the Sassy Museum for some of their catalogs. And the next uh, one that's going to be coming up is on an exhibition of Father Bill Moore, um, which just opened yesterday. So I'll give a plug to that over at the Progress Gallery. It's really a wonderful um, exhibit. And if you've got the time, you have to call and make an appointment, but you should go. It's it's uh, an inspiring uh, experience. Um, and I have uh, sort of resurrected a book on Palmer Canyon that uh, I know both John and Ken have contributed to, and I'm hoping that's going to come out in fall. Um, and then working on a project with Ken, and tentatively uh, titled Entering the Grove, but we're looking at it. There's a lot going on. <laughs> awesome. Um, okay, so, um, uh, so we're that's great. I hope everybody reads everybody's books. Um, we're going to talk about uh, a piece of art today. This is a, uh, a piece on the Claremont campuses, and I don't know the Claremont campus as well. You, I think you said it's on the Pomona campus. Right. Uh, 
right right near Benita and Harvard. It's an elongated Benita, Benita and, oh. and College. Benita and College. Benita and College. Where the new Thank you. Thank you. It's a. Uh, it's called Gandhi G. It's um, has a body that's decapitated, and very very long arms and legs that ground themselves, at, kind of in a uh, twisted way into the into the ground. It's maybe uh, I think maybe sixty feet tall, something like that. Uh, I might be off, uh, but uh, so it's 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 a. It's, it's, it's always struck me. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a real latecomer to Claremont. I didn't really um, uh, n- know any – I never went to hang out in Claremont until my 40s. Um, and so it, it's always struck me. It's like, oh, my gosh, look at that thing right there. It's, that's some, some real art. Of course, I knew that Claremont existed. It just wasn't a part of my, my lifestyle. Um, and this, this one has kind of struck me. Um, Kate, I think you, you know something about this, this piece. Um, do, do you have an overview for us? Uh, just that it was uh, created by an alum of Florida College. It used to be um, sort of two corners in its present location. It used to be at the old Montgomery Art Center that the college has done an amazing job of constructing a new art museum. And it's called the Benton Museum. And it's really a safe stopper for, for that. Um, I've always had a, a great uh, affection for that piece. It's been kind of hidden behind the scenes in its old location. And so um, I think for a couple of years when I used to drive by it, I didn't notice it at all. And then all of a sudden it's in the trees and there it was. Um, yeah, I, I think one of the things that has really struck me about it, and I, I have a great feeling of affection for it, um, as, as a Pomona alum, um, we sort of make jokes about this, but we also sort of take it seriously. Um, the college gates at the corner of college and um, six are very traditional, very uh, classic in a way, and there's this wonderful thing that everybody knows who has a connection with, let only the eager, thoughtful, and reverent enter through it. And then there's a similar saying as you exit the gate. Um, those only are loyal to this place who bear their gifts in trust for mankind or something like that. But it's a very classic kind of a statement from an education institution, and I think it probably goes back. Um, but to have those gates at 6th Street and then at the equivalent of 2nd Street, this wonderful kind of elongated, stretchy piece is just a wonderful kind of juxtaposition. Um, and it doesn't take you very long to get from one to the other. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's in a, um, the, the art that's nearby, I think there's a, there's a really classical statue down beneath a little bit of a, of a little boy playing the flute. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there's there, there, there's statue, um, it's it's not so much classical, but it's it's much more naturalistic of a woman carrying uh, several things on her her head, balancing things on her head, uh, right next to it. And then then you've got this a piece like this, and uh, I, I I I really appreciate the Claremont Colleges for um, having these sorts of uh, I don't know what would you call it more modern. It's not more modern. It's uh, take more chances sorts of things. Mm-hmm. It's really really an interesting piece. Um, Ken, do, do you know this artist, Ken? I don't know him personally. Um, huh. I've watched his work a little bit. You know, the 
this particular piece is just very stunning in that it defies expectations. It stands above the roof line of the nearest building. Um, and is, it is, I think that picture that you got of it is really does it justice, even though it doesn't capture the length of the legs proportionally still it's cut up at such an angle that you, that the height is implied. But the striking thing about your picture is how crisp and blue and almost vacant the sky is. Mm-hmm. Um, and this body is, it's, you know, what, when, when copper um, starts to oxidize, it turns green and that's the color of this. And so this, this green, uh, bright green against this almost empty blue is so impressive. It's, it, it, you did a great job with that picture. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it, 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 that's, that's, it, it's interesting. Of course, everything does, but it reminds me of Sequoia and Kings Canyon, right? Where <laughs> it's almost impossible to get a view of an entire Sequoia tree, right? right. Uh, it, it, there's only four or five places in the park that you can, well, probably more than that, but just a few places that I know you can, but your experience is almost always reverential. And it's the same with this, this, this uh, piece. It's reverential, right? Very much so. And the, the arms and legs go down from nearly the top of the thing all the way down to the ground and they're embedded in the ground. And so this is every like roots, Mm-hmm. And then the the body is is very small compared to the size of the legs and arms, and and then it has no head at all. Mm-hmm. And so here we are in a in a hall of learning, you know, in 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 a in a place devoted to cognitive development, and this headless, <laughs> um, rooted uh, in the ground thing that that just defies the rest of its location yeah the headlessness is a big part of the piece for me um and i'm, I'm not sure what to take to make out of out of it it's, it's interesting i'm you got gandhi decapitated um yeah and, and and my wife reminds you know points out that it reminds her her of me <laughs> you know, it's where I frequently walk around mindlessly and <laughs> without grounding. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, and here this thing is. Now, it's, it's a statement, of course, and it's a statement about human being and in an institution devoted to a very costly education in all things cerebral. Uh, here's this, here's this counterexample that rises above it all. I, mm-hmm. I, I love it for that. Mm-hmm. So it's a. Uh, I'm just. I'm, I brought it up on my screen, and I'm just staring at a couple different mm-hmm. pictures of it right now. But it's such a bizarre, almost. It reminds me of a Dr. Seuss drawing in a way. Um, It's just such a weird, weird sculpture. But I I can't get over, like, the impossibly long arms and legs, and I'm wondering what that could possibly be about. And um, 
I'm also just wondering, I'm looking at a decapitated, severely distorted body and wondering if it's commentary on, this is pure speculation, obviously, but I just wonder if it's commentary on, on what we do to a person like Gandhi, where we mythologize the person and, and in a way it distorts oh. that person. It just, I, I don't think anyone has an accurate, anyone walking around today has an accurate idea of who Gandhi was in their head. They know maybe, uh, even the historians maybe have some more solid ideas of who he was, but um, I don't know. I think uh, myself, I'm not a historian, and I, my idea of Gandhi is he's just this, you know, saint who led a hunger, hunger strike uh, against uh, uh, British imperialism, right? Uh, British colonialism. And uh, I think we mythologize and distort a person's memory when we do that. And that's kind of what comes to mind when I'm doing it. Well, we're certainly finding out more and more disturbing things about Gandhi as it goes on. Um, I'm not uh, sure we want to go there, but I, I I've heard some upsetting things, but I've only heard them like in internet articles that are made for five minute consumption, and I've never. That's a good point. I've I've never uh, invested real time into uh, verifying anything. You know, I don't know about you all, but my my. Greatest access to, access to Gandhi the person was when Ben Kingsley played him, um, which I always found uh, a little bit uh, ridiculous that Ben Kingsley did, I guess he did a good performance. I was impressed at the age of 12 or whenever it was that movie came out. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the last time I, I saw it, you know, and then he rem- remains this, this mythological figure in my head after that. I mean, I think that's one of the things like, it's interesting, and by and yeah, there's a lot to be discussed about the uh, getting the, getting a white guy to play a non-white role. But that was, I mean, that was do uh, the door for the day, if I'm even pronouncing it. That, that was how it was just done back then, um, which is not an excuse, uh, and certainly not a good reason. But um, Thinking about that, that's exactly right. And I saw that movie, most of it anyway, about the same age, John. I think I might be a year or two older than you are. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, mostly I was bummed that it wasn't Star Wars, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> but I, that's largely where my idea of who he is comes into play. And in a similar vein, uh, my idea of Martin Luther King comes from uh, the I Have a Dream speech, which was shown... Not all the time when I was in grade school, it was shown there were like rainy days where we couldn't be out in the playground and they would show like Martin Luther King. There was one of like three or four movies that they had ready to go at my school. Yeah. Um, And so I spent the first 35 years of my life thinking that Martin Luther King was this like Christ-like figure that everyone acknowledged was wonderful and da-da-da. And it's only been in the last 15 years that I've uh, really begun to have a a realistic understanding of how America viewed him, which was not favorably. 
he was viewed by many, uh, I, I think if they were around today, they would use the language we're using today to describe a lot of the uh, protesters. Um, mm-hmm. Terrorist. He was viewed by many as a terrorist. Mm-hmm. And um, I, uh, I only bring that up to show how far off the mark our public perception of a person who, I mean, is recently dead in the big picture can be. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, with the Gandhi film, uh, I had a re- uh, kind of the same perception. Uh, and part of it was th- there was a movie theater that played only Gene movies in my town. It was the only one I could walk to. And it was mostly um, biblical epics. And they, then they show uh, biblical epics and then like those uh, Saturday matinee things where you could go for all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they showed Gandhi. Uh, so it was like, some sort of Moses movie, some sort of Abraham movie done terribly, and then Gandhi uh, done, done fairly well. Um, and so, John, I got, I got to ask, where was this? This was uh, this was in uh, West Covina. Uh, okay, actually, okay. The theater was in Covina. It was right next to um, Sacred Heart Church, which is where I went to school. And uh, I could I could I could walk to it, but they'd have all like on certain days. Our only field trip all year was to get up and walk over to see how how Abraham lived his life, and then we would go back, and it was just a, uh, <laughs> a terrible, terrible thing. They eventually they started playing other movies too. Um, I think I saw some some pretty close to X-rated movies there by the time right before they closed. Um, I don't I don't mean porn. I mean like Wild at Heart and that kind of thing. Um, right. But uh, uh, at the time, this this is this is what they showed. This is what Kavina was. Um, wow. Yeah, it turns out that didn't uh, make them a whole lot of money. I would imagine. Not really. No, they, they were. I think they were doing better with the the, the Bible movies. You know. Right. Well, I mean, even that. I. <laughs> I yeah, I can't imagine that. That's a tangent we don't need to pursue. <laughs> yeah. Now, 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 two things. Two things that I would bring into this conversation, and one of them, Tim, uh, kind of. Uh, stirred up in me and it's kind of like the idea of um social justice leaders historically um you know the the difference that comes about um like say for instance uh you look at martin luther king um and from your perspective he was like a christ-like figure or something from his i have a dream speech i think that he's more um neutral now than he was um, back then because he's he's adopted into so I mean I look at all of these different um, kind of right wing people who are willing to kind of acknowledge Martin Luther King but they would have never acknowledged him back in his day when he was alive right so like even with Malcolm X or something like that who was who was touted as being almost like a devil during that time uh, you know, it was always like this play between Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, and, and Martin Luther King was always the better choice um, during their lifetime. But I think that a lot of that same type of thing, I think that Gandhi has been almost like reversed. More bad things have come out about Gandhi since his death than when he was alive. Um, and, and again, it's like, you know, that's going way back. I was a little kid, you know, but... Um, yeah. It's it's like, um, and I wonder if maybe some some of that is reflected in that sculpture, um, like the unwieldiness of it, kind of like, and the headlessness of it, 
Um, I wonder, because I don't really know what the artist intent was, but one of the things I saw when I went to uh, Peter Shelton's website was, I don't know what year it was, but he had made a proposal of, uh, of a thing that he was proposing for Indianapolis. And it looks real similar, um, but it's, it's like a graphite drawing. It was just a proposal. I don't know that it was ever actually realized, but this may have been something that he was working through this, this long, narrow structure um, that, that he was like, you know, um, you know, so many artists are kind of compelled to do certain things. And you don't know whether it's like the, the physics of it or whether it's the, um, the, the flowingness of it or something. But that's what kind of gets me about the piece in Claremont is that it has this flowing nature to it. And that little tiny body, it, it's, it's almost like a kite or something, you know, it, it's, it's almost like it's sailing. Um, but, uh, but it's just interesting. I'd like, it's, 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 it's incredible. Um, when you look and, um, like I said, he had he had a piece called Thin Man, Little Bird that he was proposing for Indianapolis. And it looks very similar to the piece in um, uh, in Claremont. Um, but I mean, and again, it's just a drawing, but it looks like it has a lot of the same characteristics. It's interesting. Yeah, so I think artists very often will get into a, a thing where they're doing the same thing again and again and um, working out some sort of concept. And the artist that I see doing that most directly is my wife, who um, is doing, like, I don't know how many leaves she's drawn now. It's, it has to be hundreds just of going after leaf after leaf after leaf. And each one she does, she goes into it more deeply and understands it better. And to me, it's, it becomes a more of a spiritual uh, thing, both for a viewer and an artist. So I wonder if, if that's the kind of thing that he's he's developing through this piece. Yeah. I've been trying to find his artist statement, which should be on his website, and I can't because you, you, you would think you would get some. I haven't been able to on my iPhone, but you think you'd get some kind of a clue um, as to what his thinking is and, and what he does. What he, what he does with, with his George, are you are you working on that? <laughs> no, you know I don't see an artist statement. You know, um, like he does have a site, and it kind of gives some some other views of different work that he's done but I, no i don't see i don't see an artist statement yeah i saw a reference to it as i was sort of searching through but i can't i can't get to it um hmm. i'm on the site right now uh the closest i can find is a he's got a bio and he's got some subsections there uh resume and bibliography but yeah. i don't see anything well under drawings, under proposals, is the piece that I'm talking about. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. At least the uh, the either one, he's leaving the art to make its own statement, or two, he's like me, and I can I have never been able to maintain a, a author's website. I just can't do it. I, I don't know what it is. It's it must be Freudian uh, something, you know. Uh, <laughs> you just don't want people to know, John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I, I really like the piece because so much of on the Claremont colleges are celebrations of past thinkers and writers. I, I really like that walkway. And uh, again, I don't know which one campus from the other where you look down, it's all quote quotations on the sidewalk from famous women through history. Um, and there, there's a lot of that kind of thing going on there. And, uh, l- looking at, um, 
at, at sort of the great greats through history th- through a particular lens. And that this gives us a, a different kind of view of that thing. Well, some of that um, could have a, so. uh, to do with a sort of shift in the um, uh, sort of sensibilities of the boards of directors of the Claremont Colleges. I think, you know, Pitzer used to be the outlier of, of, of the group of the five undergraduate colleges. And um, uh, I think the boards of all of the colleges have decided to take a more sort of flexible, uh, liberal, whatever you want to call it, um, attitude about what goes on on campus. And um, that's just, I think, part of the evolution of these kinds of institutions. And it's reflected, I think, in the art that you see. A little more daring than mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the gates that uh, open up the campus. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What was it? Eighteen eighties or something, wasn't it? When they first opened the thing? Eighty-seven or something. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Yeah, that's. Uh... Hey, Kate can back me up on this, but in Oxford, they've they've got lots of public art, and it some of it seems to have been um, almost uh, almost sabotaging the the social mores and dictates that formed the colleges. Because you see mm-hmm. the, those, those gargoyles and the, the carvings along the, the sides of external walls were done by the stonemasons who put the walls and the buildings up um, hundreds of years ago. But if you look closely, some of them are really funny. There's their their caricatures of the Oxford Dons, and they make them look goofy, silly. They they have them looking petty and mean. There's one who's picking his nose. Uh, just just wonderful commentary by the stonemason. So I, I don't know. You know, maybe it was understood that they were going to do that. Maybe they were asked to do it by someone, um, but they. They're wonderful to watch, and it's almost like a, a counterpoint to the solemnity of the place. Well, that goes back to some of the medieval manuscripts, and I have a daughter who's a medievalist, and she's always showing me this wonderful the marginalia that's in some of the things that the monks used to draw. They would spend their lifetime drawing these beautiful illuminated manuscripts, but out in the marginalia, you know, you have, there's, there's, I don't think it's in one of the religious manuscripts, but there's something called a penis tree that's very famous. Mm. And, and, you know, there it is, a tree with penises all over it. Um, and, and you've got rabbits who are playing the organ, and you've got monks who are all physically And this is all on those illuminated manuscripts, so there's a lot of reverence in that kind of institutional art. And I, I just, I love the thought of some yeah. monks or some artists just, you know, tweaking something a little bit because, you know, nobody would really notice. Um, that's, that's part of the, part of the fun of it, I think. Yeah, it fits our stereotyped view of, of monks as sitting there in very staid and quiet and, you know, completely obsessed with just this one thing their whole lives. It's like they're going to have a little fun too. Yeah, they do. They definitely do. And of course the playfulness uh, then is, 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 has the same effect as it does now, right? It takes mm-hmm. the art off the page and has us have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the way we're not sitting around talking about the David, we're talking about this interesting elongated statue. Also, the David's not in the Inland Empire, so you know, somebody <laughs> else can talk about that. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure there's a shitty knockoff somewhere in the IE. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
probably at Victoria Gardens or something. Wasn't there a David, uh, a reproduction of a David on Cal State Fullerton back in the 80s that, if I'm remembering this correctly, I, this is, by the way, from an art history class I had at Chafee College with, I think her name was Pat Craig um, back in the late 80s. And I think Cal State Fullerton had a, a David reproduction hanging out. And there's something about, if I'm remembering the statue correctly, and I think it's David, uh, the statue, uh, there's something about the way, the shape of it that makes it structurally unsound. Huh. And uh, so California, of course, had an earthquake and the statue crumbled. And uh, Cal State Fullerton's art department decided to just rope off the destroyed statue because it made a new statement. Uh, not sure what the statement was other than broken David, but, uh, <laughs> but, I, but I'm sure, I'm sure we could come up with something if we tried. But uh, was that, David? was that George? It's there. <laughs> I just Googled. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> it's okay. there. Yeah. It's, it's like in pieces laying on the ground. And it's the still there. Are, yeah. The, the, the students are leaning against it studying. <laughs> wow. Well, I'd like to take a moment to, point out how amazing my memory is and I also like to acknowledge that I can't remember people's names as I'm still shaking their hands sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but, but but a crumbled statue of David is unforgettable. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, this this is yeah. bigger than bigger than people's yeah. names. <laughs> yeah, not that Fullerton's the Inland Empire either, but hey, you know. Yeah, well, it's it's close enough. We'll, yeah. We'll, <laughs> well, the, the, the Forest Lawn always had the, the there were three statues I I can yeah, still up there or not? I don't think I've ever set foot on that on that particular forest lawn. Uh-huh. My my students wanted to go there, uh, and so we took took the creative writing club, and, and they went on Halloween. They wanted it to be spooky, and they showed up and realized that cemeteries aren't spooky, and so they just kind of blissed out uh, and started writing all these this this uh, nature poetry uh, nice. on that day. So, I I do have a story about forest lawn. Back in the day that I was doing psychological debriefings, I was sent in to deal with the um, the group of uh, what do you call the uh, the guys who treat bodies? Um, oh, morticians. Oh, coroner. Morticians. Oh. Uh, a group of morticians. They had a whole department there, as you can imagine, and one of their favorite people had died, and. Uh, it was a very odd experience talking about this. And I talked to another mortuary in a similar circumstance in Florida who informed me that most of their, their work in Florida was packing and shipping. But it turns out that all the people from New York and Ohio go to Florida to retire. They die there, and then they get oh. shipped back. When, yeah. so, so that's the majority of their work in Florida. Not so in California, where we're trying to build our legacy. So we have um, this group of people sitting around telling these bleak jokes during this, this debriefing. And I've never heard people talk like that. And I've written with the best of them. And, and so... Um, the, the story that they were all very impressed was, with, was how this, this guy's understudy was the one who actually did the guy who had died, you know, his, his boss. Oh. 
and 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 he did all of the mortician work on him. They were all impressed by that, and I was kind of horrified. <laughs> so I think I did worse than anybody in that group. It, it was rough. Anne just gave me a note. She said after the earthquake, they replaced the broken David with a clothed with a, a male statue that was clothed. Oh my God! What? Yeah. What's that? Oh, at Forest Lawn. Yeah. Uh, not at Fullerton. Okay. Oh, that's right. That's because I think the David broke that same earthquake broke a couple Davids. <laughs> because of the way that the thing is shaped, it's just weirdly susceptible to damage like that. Which then, which then makes the original apparently that much more interesting. I guess I don't. If I'm remembering correctly, that was a very long time ago. Well, well, our, our Gandhi then will will withstand almost any earthquake because he's yeah. made of metal. Yeah. Well, yeah. Certainly, his torso will. Yeah. <laughs> Although, if it keeps being hot the way it's been hot lately, uh, <laughs> melt him down. I don't know. I think it'd have to get a bit hotter, but I bet you could cook on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you could. That that'd be a really interesting statement too. Um, <laughs> Gandhi eggs. <laughs> okay do do we do we have any other uh, comments or thoughts about uh, Gandhi? Uh, you know, I, I always find that that whole area just fascinating as I'm as I'm walking through it. Uh, and I've taken to walking Lizzie up there because Lizzie is an incredibly slow walking dog, and it gives me a chance to look at the at the stuff. She while she sniffs, she, she, yeah. she finds a good scent. She'll she'll go boneless and just lie there and sniff for ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> this way, I can look at something at least. <laughs> I I I love walking through the colleges. I uh, I used to do it several times a week when I was uh, huh. when I had more free time, but. There's a, uh, actually, this is off topic. Yeah, I love walking through the colleges. I'm, I'm, I'm just so shocked that I've never seen this before. Oh, it's right. Of well, I think Kate made the point before. It's, it used to be kind of buried behind a couple of trees. Yeah. They're giant trees, and, and you really there have to look. Those, there were those old eucalyptus trees that sort of lined College Avenue, and one by mm-hmm. one they, they fell. They actually took out a couple of students about 15 years ago. Jesus. And, and just fell over and... It was, it was not good. Um, so we're trying to thin that, those trees out. But it, it struck me that Gandhi really kind of fit well in the trees, even though you couldn't see him. I kind of like the fact that he was sheltered and, and uh, wrapped by green. I think yeah. that's a lovely, lovely way to go. But this, this one I love too. So. Yeah, the, the, I think I saw it uh, because I went to a Terrell exhibit at the mm-hmm. museum and it's like, oh, there's that too. It's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, well, uh, it's been a great conversation, and I think we'll, we'll. This is a good place to cut it off. Sounds like a plan. I'll see you all next week. Thank you. Thanks, John.